kids. Father, once again, we thank you for this great privilege to be able to come into your supernatural presence and to know the supernatural is all around us. Angels are here. Lord, you have a plan for this service. You know where each and every heart is docked tonight in the supernatural harbor. You know those, those Lord, who need to come a little bit higher, some who need to be quickened, stimulated, activated, motivated, revelated, educated into the plan that you have for them as they go through this great journey of life that one day will be over. Lord, we look forward to an eternity with you. The Bible said, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, and the mind of man has not even begun to imagine the things that God has for those who love him and are called together for his purpose. And Lord, we believe that we are those people. As Brother Tom spoke about the, the DNA and, the, and the, the GPS of all those animals, the ones of the sky and the sea and the landlord, and how each one of them could find their place where you have designed for them to go and come back. And Lord, even the salmon that our Brother Biscoe spoke about many years ago, Lord. And Lord, we believe that that supernatural intelligence is resident in us. And we believe that you have led us here, Lord. And we believe that we're on the final leg, Lord, the, the home stretch. We, Father, commit this service to you. Everything that will be said and done, we ask that you would be glorified. We ask it in your precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And God bless you. I'd like to invite you to turn to the book of Esther. While you're turning there, I'd like to say the last three times that Brother Tom asked me to speak, each time I thought I was going to speak on this subject, but each each time, just shortly before I was going to come to preach, like a day or so before, he turned my mind, and it was kind of strange to me, but yesterday it all made sense to me, and, and uh, I'll share that with you as we get along into the, the message. But in the book of Esther, in chapter 1, now this book of Esther is a very unusual book. It's a very remarkable book. The supernatural is woven all the way through it. The name of God is not mentioned one time in the entire book. Prayer is not mentioned one time. It's not mentioned in the New Testament. And it was the last book that was ever accepted as canon into the Hebrew and into the Greek scriptures as an authentic part of the Bible. One of the most unusual things is that the, the heathen king, Ahasuerus, his name is mentioned 192 times in this very short book. But God's name is not mentioned once. But if there ever was a book anywhere in the Bible that is the bride's book, it's the book of Esther. It's our book. And for those of you maybe that have struggled at one time or another to say, well, where is the message in the Bible? I trust that tonight will be your night to see your name in this book and your name in the message. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. Now, Ahasuerus, that was not actually his name. It was like Caesar was a title. Ahasuerus was a title. But they were, this was the Medes and Persians, and there was Xerxes and Cyrus. So these were the great men. They were like the, the Caesars, but this was the Medes and Persia. So this is Ahasuerus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over a hundred and twenty-seven provinces. So there was about a hundred million people that were under this man's domain. That in the days when the king of Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes and provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty, many days 
even an hundred and fourscore days. So this is a hundred and eighty day feast. A smorgasbord of, of uh, just proportions that we cannot even imagine today. And when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. Where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble and beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels, listen, vessels of gold and the vessels being diverse or different one from the other and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the offices of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. And Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Ahasuerus. God bless you and you can have your seats. Just to lay a little foundation, this is a feast 180 days for all the, 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 the big wigs, so to speak, of all the provinces all over the world. They had come in. And, uh, and, and the feast was a, was, was something that the world had probably never seen anything like that up until that time. And then at the end of that feast, seven days for the common people. And then the, the king, he had had his fill of drink. And so then he calls for his wife, Vashti. He says, bring in my wife. I want to show her the beauty. I want to show her beauty off to all of my noblemen, all the princes. Now, Vashti, she said, no, not coming. Now, here's the king. 127 provinces. All his men come in from all the kingdom and he's got a little buzz on. He's high, and he says, okay, now I'm going to show you my pride and joy. Vashti, come on. Nope. I'm not coming. Can you imagine what that did to the king? The embarrassment, the humiliation. They said, here this man is ruling over a hundred million people and he can't control his wife? So this was a big time problem now. The whole kingdom was rattled. Everybody's silent. And so now there were seven chamberlains that were there. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner to all that knew time and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshena, Shether, Abitha, Tarshish, Merz, Marshina, and Mamukin, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, which sat the first in the kingdom. And they said, what shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to law? Because she had not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. Now, this is just a, 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 a summation, but this guy, Mamukin, he answers. And before the king and the princes, Vashti, the queen, had not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. So just my own perception was this guy, he might have been a little bit henpecked. And uh, he said to the king, well, you know, uh, we, we got to do something about this because if the word gets out that the queen doesn't have to obey the king, then the women are going to say, well, what do we have to obey our husband for? And so he was probably kind of concerned about how things were going to go in his own home. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so they shall despise their husbands in their eyes, when it shall be reported the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt 
and wrath. So now they say, if it please the king, let there be a decree go out that Vashti, who would not come in when she was called, let it be decreed that she can never come in again because of her disobedience. Now the king, remember, he's got a buzz on. He's been having a long feast. And he's embarrassed and humiliated before his whole kingdom. So he's, he goes along with it. He says, okay, and the law was made. And back in those days, when the law was made, the king's ring would go down. And when that king's ring was sealed, that law could never be changed. Nobody, not the king, nobody could change that law. So he signed it. Vashti can never come in again. So she was put out. Now, if we go right to, to chapter 2 after these things. Well, a whole lot of things happened between the time of the feast and was after these things. Because the king, he had gone out and he had fought a great battle. The reason that he had brought all those kings and, and the princes in was because he wanted to show them his wealth and his power that they could go and fight against the Greeks. And he led a, a, an armada of 300 ships against the Greeks. And they handed it to him. And he went back, and now he's back on the throne. He's had a horrible defeat, and now he's thinking about Vashti. He's lonely, and now he says, you know, I really love that woman, and now I can never see her again. And now the men, the men who knew the king the best, the wise men who knew the times they said, we got to do something here. So now they go to the king and they said, let there be a decree go out and let all the fair young virgins from all over your kingdom, let the best and the most beautiful be brought in and we'll have a beauty contest. And you can check them all out. And the one that you like the best, she can become the queen instead of Vashti. Now, somebody else might polish it up a little bit more, but uh, I'm, I'm just kind of bare bones here tonight. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you, I have to be aware of my presence in the present moment because I know sometimes I am way over the top for a lot of people. Because I'm excited about this word, friends. This this message is the only thing in the world. God bless you, Brother Sam. It's the only message in the world that sounds like it's too good to be true. And yet we can't even begin to touch it. This is eternity. This is your soul. It's too good to be true. It's not even begun to, 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 to touch what God has done for us. It's not only the best thing going, it's the only thing going in a rapture. And so if it's the only thing going, you want to make sure that you are there, friends. This should be a time of excitement. You know, the word enthusiasm. Some people are afraid of that word. That enthusiasm in the Greek, it's simply entheos, which means God within. That's the right kind of enthusiasm. To me, it's the only kind of thing that you can really or should be excited about is this word. And especially as you see time going by and that the message tonight is God's providence in perilous times. And so we look at the message now and, and we see that, that the decree has gone out and the king was he, he was excited about this plan. All right. Have all the fair young virgins come in from all over my kingdom. And they all came in and they were put into a chamber and they had to go through a year's purification. Six months with oil to get them cleaned out from wherever they come from and six months of perfume to get them worthy enough to go into the presence of the king. And so now, you know, I'll never remember. We had a brother a while ago. He was from the Hutterite colony and he was talking about, uh, he was talking about the world because where he came into the message, it was kind of a shock to him. And he used to say, a little pudding, a little paint makes a woman what she ain't. And, and, and so here these women, they could have whatever they wanted to, whatever kind of a beauty treatment, whatever kind of a weight loss program, whatever kind of a perfume treatment, they had a whole year year to get ready for a one night stand 
One night, they were going to go in to see the king. And if the king didn't like them, off to the concubine farm they were going. So they all got ready. And Esther, she found favor with the ones that were doing the preparation. And when her time came, it said Esther needed nothing other than what the chamberlains had provided for her. Now, if I can go back to verse 10 of of, of chapter 1. It says, now, when, when the king was ready to call in Basti. It said, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bitha, Harbana, Bitha, and Abitha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king. Now, a chamberlain, you want to talk about dedication, friends. A chamberlain was a man who went into the presence of the king for his service and... He was not to be a man for the rest of his life. He was a eunuch. That's the kind of dedication and commitment that a chamberlain made. So these chamberlains, they could be around the women of the harem, the concubines, because they had no seed in them. So they could be trusted around all these women. And if you look at the seven chamberlains, the seventh chamberlain, his name is Carcass. And uh, if that strikes a bell, the Bible says where the carcass is, the eagles shall be gathered. And those seven chamberlains, they were servants under the king who had no seed of their own. They were there at the king's pleasure and could be trusted with the bride of each one of those church ages. They could be trusted. And so we've had seven church ages in our day. And that seventh church age messenger was an eagle messenger. Now, I want to say right now, a lot of people, they get confused, especially when they first come to the church. And I can say amen. And Brother Roy, you can probably say amen. The first time you come to church, you heard Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham. And when my friend Brother Arnie started witnessing to me, he, he was saying a whole bunch of other things. But all I heard was Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham. And and I'm saying, Arnie, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He said, well, in a way, when you say that, it's just like saying Jesus. Well, that, that didn't go over too well with me. It took me quite a while to understand what he was saying. But that in his own way, he was saying this was the messenger for Jesus in this day. He had the word of Jesus for this day. So my hero, my all-time hero is my Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is one of my heroes. Martin, Columba, Luther, Iranians, all those brothers, they're, they're heroes. Brother Bisco, he's one of my heroes. Brother Tom, Brother John, Brother Tim, Brother Murphy, uh, bro- Brother Kyle, all these brothers, they're, they're my heroes. Brother Michael, the, the ministry God's raising, these are all my heroes. They're my friends and my brothers. But the Lord Jesus Christ is who we bow down to. That's who we worship. I hope nobody gets the idea that we are following a man. Brother Branham was a son of man revealing the son of man. You know, when Paul was here, after Paul passed away, the believers didn't have any problem saying, well, Paul said, Paul said, well, Paul said, and nobody thought anything about that. And I could preach Paul all day long to an unbeliever and they wouldn't have any problem. But as soon as I say, Brother Branham, Katie bar the doors, 911. It's because they have no revelation, friends. So now the women come in and and they all go in and each one of them has their one night stand. There was a movie that came out a while ago. It was called Esther, One Night with the King. After a year of preparation, they made their debut. They walked in and Brother Bram said they're all painted up. All smell real good, might have looked good, but to the king, he said, next, next, next. We don't know how many out of 127 provinces, there was probably a lot of them. But when Esther walked in, forget about it, cancel all the rest of the auditions. Here, bring the crown, put it on Esther's head. She was made queen. 
because of her meekness and her humble spirit. And she glowed with the radiation of, 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 of the glory that the king was looking for. So now she's made the queen. Now, up until that time, Esther, she had no mom, dad. They were both dead. But her cousin Mordecai, he had raised her up. She was an orphan. He had raised her up. And the children of Israel had been released under Cyrus to go home. But a lot of them didn't go home. They were comfortable there in Persia. A lot of them stayed there. And Mordecai was one of them. And when the decree came forth for all the fair young virgins to come forth, Mordecai took his cousin, Esther, and said, Okay, Esther, we're entering you into the beauty contest with all the women from all the other provinces. And if you don't make it, (laughs) it's not going to be good for you. But he had confidence. I believe that he was led by God. And she was ordained of God to go there. And the king was ordained to recognize her. And the fate of thousands of Jews was preserved right in that one moment. With Mordecai having the confidence to take Esther and to put her among all those other people. And while the other ones were dressed up and painted up and smelled up, Esther comes in, the crown goes on her. All is well. So now Mordecai, he's out there and he's walking around the palace, walking back and forth. He wants to see, well, how's things going with my cousin Esther? So he's got his ear to the ground and he's looking and waiting and watching. And he finds out there's a plot against the king. Assassination plot. So he goes to Esther. He gets word. He couldn't go right to her because she was protected by the, the king's secret service. So he gets word to her. And she tells the king. And they check it out. And sure enough, it was true. And they hung the guys. So now, after all these things goes by, Haman comes on the scene. Now, Haman, in chapter 3, after these things, the king of Hosseret promote Haman, the son of Hamathadai, the Agite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. This is chapter 3, verse 1. Now listen, this is the kind of honor this man was supposed to receive. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. So everybody, when they saw Haman, they would say, Oh, the great Haman, bow down to the great Haman. Everybody, the whole kingdom. But Mordecai, (laughs) nope, not going to do it. Haman was not happy. And all the other gossips in the area were saying, Hey, how come you don't do it? Everybody else is bowing down. Everybody else believes in a trinity. Everybody else is part of the World Council of Churches. What's wrong with you? No, I can't. I only believe in one God. And I'm not going to bow down to anything but my God. And so now the word gets out and kind of scuttlebutt goes goes all around there. And Haman is not pleased about it. And so in in verse 5, And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath, anger. Remember what anger is. Anger is one letter short of danger. And the D is the devil. (laughs) So he got angry. Danger. Remember that danger. Haman, anger, danger. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. No, he wanted to kill him right then. Kill him. For they had shown him the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews. So, so up until that time, they didn't know that Mordecai was not a Jew. And Mordecai had told Esther, don't say anything about being a Jew. Don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> you know, in other words, <laughs> just, just be quiet. But now Mordecai, he lets him know why he's not bowing down. So now when Haman finds out about it, he goes in. Now Haman goes to see the king in verse 8. And Haman said unto the king with all subtlety and guile, he said, 
there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces in the kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people, neither keep they the king's laws. They kept all the king's laws. There's only one they didn't. There's only one in the whole kingdom of all the thousands of Jews that were there. Only one. Wouldn't bow down. The rest of the Jews, they all bowed down. But Mordecai wouldn't bow. And Haman went to the king. That there is a group of people in this country. Their laws are diverse. They don't keep your laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. In other words, it's not for the king's prophet to let them live. In other words, we gotta have a holocaust. We gotta wipe them out. Wipe them from the face of the earth. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business. What business? The killing business. I'll give all this money to the ones that are going to carry out all this holocaust all over the 127 provinces that make up 100 million people. He's going to pay all that money because he's mad at one guy. Just one. And so the king took his ring from his hand, and he gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadai, the Agathy, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to be. Now, I don't believe that the king had any idea what Haman had in his mind. I believe he had maybe a little correction here. You know, maybe, you know, get, get him to obey. Whatever you got to do, make him obey. But Haman, he was smooth. Clever. But he got the king's ring. Now he put everything into process. Then were the king's scribe called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants, and to the governors that were over every province, and to the rulers of every people of every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language in the name of the king of Hosterus, was it written and sealed by the king's rings. Now listen, now this is not like going to, to Kinko's. Having a proclamation drawn up and go to Kinko's and have, you know, uh, tens of thousands of pamphlets printed up. There were 127 provinces, lots of languages, lots of dialects. And this proclamation had to be translated. And Brother Colby, you know what it's like for translation. Every document had to be translated into the right language, into the dialect. And then once they were all written up, think about how many had to be written. Everyone, they didn't have a a photocopy, friends. Written, 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 written. And when they were written, then the runners went. The horseback riders, camels, mules, they started running all over the kingdom to let them know about this new law that the Jews were going to be put to death. On a certain day. And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old. Men, women, and children. In one day, even unto the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoils of them for prey, the copy of the writings for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people that they should be ready against that day. And the post went out. Listen, the post went out being hastened. In other words, this was emergency. The king had sealed it. Got to get this word out. The decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city Shushan was perplexed. The word had gotten out to the Jews that they were going to be slaughtered by Haman and his henchmen. Now Mordecai, he gets the word. Now Mordecai, that word Mordecai, it means a little man. And we just happen to have a little man in our generation 
that was one of the seven chamberlains. And the seven chamberlain, his name was Carcass. And where the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered. And Mordecai was out there. He was watching. He was waiting. He was responsible for the queen being in her position. But now the kingdom's in danger. So he's he's going back and forth. He finds out now sackcloth and ashes. He's renting his clothes. In He makes a spectacle of himself. You know, Paul says we are be made a spectacle. Sometime when the word comes forth from this pulpit, I feel like the spectacle sometime. I've had people tell me before they got really saved, they thought, I thought you were a cuckoo clock. You know that man I brought here uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, sat right down here? He was a brother, a friend of mine. He knew this brother, and he wanted him to come to church here. And so I brought him to church. He sat right down there. Now, after church, we went to Brother Roy's house. And boy, what a time we had over there. And we're starting to talk about the Word. And, 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 and Doc had met Brother John. He met Brother John the day before. And he said, oh, he, he leaned over. He doesn't know about being quiet. And he's having a conversation. He looks around. He said, well, it's pretty good. Fifteen minutes for a church. You already got 75 people here. <laughs> And then he looked at John, and John's in there, and John's worshiping. He said, what's wrong with John? He looks like he's in another world. I said, he is. (laughs) And then after, I'm serious, he thought that my job in this church was to sit on the front row and to be Brother Chum's cheerleader. He thought that was my job, and I was being paid to do it. Now, remember, he's 86 years old, raised a Methodist, goes to a Baptist church, has never been in a Pentecostal church in his life. So you got to give a little bit of leeway, 86 years old, and this was like shock therapy for the poor guy. And uh, But sometimes when people get excited about this word, friends, there's nothing you can do but shout amen or glory to God or hallelujah. So now Mordecai, you know, he, 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 he's, 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 he's beside himself, sackcloth and Asher, and the word comes back to Esther. And Esther said, what's wrong with my cousin? And she gets a whole bunch of clothes and sends a guy, tell him to get next to himself. Put these clothes on. And they bring the clothes out. Mordecai says, no, I'm not putting those clothes on. I'm in mourning. We're in danger. Sackcloth and ashes is gonna be, is gonna be my garment. They said, why? He says, you go back and tell Esther that there is a plot out against all of our people. And it's time. I told you before not to tell anybody you're a Jew, but now it's the time. And you gotta go in and you gotta tell the king you're a Jew and you gotta plead for the life of your people. Now Esther, she gets shocked. She's still got some self-preservation now. She's enjoying being the queen. She's enjoying all the banquets and all the hoopla and all the... And now, Mordecai is asking her to put herself in danger. Because there was a decree that had gone out. That anybody that would dare to come into the inner sanctum where the king was, it was a death penalty. Unless the king held out the golden scepter. And she says, I haven't been called. And if I go in there, it may be the end of me. And Mordecai said, look, he said, don't think if you don't go in, don't think you're going to get saved all by yourself. And Mordecai says, if deliverance doesn't come from you, it will arise from somewhere else. The faith of a man of God. It will arise, but don't think your hide's going to be saved. And so now she gets a backbone. She says, okay, have the people pray and fast, and I'll go in. So they all fast and pray, and she gets ready to go in, and her famous words were, I'll go in to see the king, and if I perish, I perish. And it might be the end of me, but I'm going in. Now she gets all ready, she gets all her royal regalia on, and she goes in there. Poor heart's probably beating a thousand beats a minute, and she walks in there, open the door, she walks in, 
All eyes are looked upon the stranger who's coming in who has not been invited. And look into the king, look into her. And the king said, Oh, Esther, my queen, welcome. What do you want? You can have anything, even under the half of my kingdom. Oh, that was a close one. She said, oh, she comes in and he said, well, what's your, what's your request? She said, I want to have a banquet and I want you and Haman to come into the banquet. King said, let it be so. And he gets the word out to Haman. And so the next night, Haman comes in and, and Haman, now you want to talk about full of himself? He said, oh, I really made it now <laughs> at a banquet. Only the king and the queen and me. Pretty good. So now the king asks Esther again, okay, Esther, what is it? What's your request? She says, I want to have another banquet tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> and so now Haman goes there and I mean, he's just hopping along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it made now. It's just me and the king and the queen going home. And what happens? He sees Mordecai the Jew. What's everybody else doing? Oh, the great Haman, the great Haman, bow the knee. And there's Mordecai. Ain't gonna bend, <laughs> ain't gonna bow. And he gritted his teeth. And the Bible says, I'm gonna just gonna show, he wanted to kill him right then. But he gritted his teeth and I'll get him. <laughs> so now he goes home and he's telling his wife and all his family all the great things that have happened. And I've got all the wealth and the power and the prestige. And today a banquet, just me and the king and the queen. And she invited me back tomorrow. Just the three of us. But all these things. Don't do me one bit of good as long as that Mordecai the Jew won't bow down to me. Anger. (laughs) Poor little Haman. (laughs) Anger. So his wife said, well, you know, what you need to do, you need to get a gallows and build a big hangman's gallows, hundred cubits high, and hang that little man. That's a great idea. He goes, he gets everything prepared. Now the king that night, he couldn't sleep. Had a little bit of supernatural insomnia. Hey, now back in those days, they didn't have newspapers and radios. And so everything that happened in the palace, they wrote it down. That's why the Bible talks about chronicles. Well, in this kingdom, they had the chronicles. And the chron- now the king couldn't sleep. The king said, well, bring in the chronicles. Read me what's going on in my kingdom lately. So they're reading it to, now you would think if somebody had insomnia, they would have done what David did. They would have come in, had some nice soft music, soothe. The last thing you would think if somebody had insomnia, they want to be bothered with the affairs of the kingdom. But that was how God led him. So they're reading everything that's gone on. He said, and Mordecai the Jew uncovered the plot and saved the king's life. The king said, wait a minute. What did we do to reward that man that saved my life? They look for, we don't have any record that anything was ever done for him. Our king said, well, something's got to be done. I got to get one of my noblemen. Who's out there in the court? You know who's out there? Haman. He's coming real early in the morning. He wants to get the king's permission to hang Mordecai. Oh, man, he's got the plot. He's going to have him hung before the banquet that night. So he comes walking in there, and and the king says, Haman, I got a question for you. What shall be done to the man that the king desires to honor? Haman, full of himself, said, who would the king be talking about besides me? He's already done everything for me. Now he's going to do a little more. So Haman said, well, well, your, your highness, for the, for the man that you desire to honor, 
let the royal apparel be brought in. And let the royal king's horse be brought in. And let the crown be brought in. And let the man that you want to honor, let him be robed with your royal apparel. And let the crown be put on his head. And let him go on the royal horse. And let your most noble man lead that man through town, yelling, Thus shall it be done to the man the king desires to honor. Haman thought he had it made. The king said, Haman, I like it. Everything you said, do it to Mordecai the Jew. Whoa. You want to talk about a wake-up call. I think Haman lost a little bit of his enthusiasm. I think he had a bad day. So he had to go there, he had to get the royal robes, and he had to get the crown, and he had to get the horse. Then he had to go get Mordecai. Okay, Mordecai, off with the sackcloth and ashes. On with the king's robes. On the horse you go. And then he says, thus shall it be done to the king, the man the king desires to honor. I don't think he had a cheerleader's zeal. Like he was expecting for himself to have when he got walked through the kingdom. So now, after it's all over, what does Mordecai do? He goes right back to sackcloth and ashes. Humility. He's not trying to be a big shot. He's not trying to ride on the queen's coattails. He goes back to sackcloth and ashes. Now here comes Haman. Goes to his wife. Her name is Verash. If you go back to the, to the name Verash, it says she that worketh behind the scenes. She's the one that came up with the plot to hang the little man on the gallows a hundred cubits high. And she said, uh oh, you're in trouble, Haman. The guy that you've come in against to try to kill all the Jews, he's got the king's ear now. You're in big trouble. So now, while she's telling him the big trouble he's in, here comes the king's men. Haman, time to go into the banquet. So, well, better go and get a couple of glasses of wine. Maybe I'll feel better. Goes back in there, back in the king's chamber, sitting there. In walks Esther. Beautiful, regal, humble, sweet Esther. And she walks in, the king says, oh, Esther, my queen, what is it that you want? You can have anything, even up to the half of my kingdom. She says, well, the reason I'm here, I'm here to plead for my life. I'm here to plead for my life and the life of my people, for their soul, the the soul to be killed. Now, if we're just being sold to be slaves, it would be one thing, but they want to annihilate us. And the king, you can imagine now, the queen has just told him that somebody is trying to kill her and all her people. The king gets up. Where? Where is he? Who is he? That would even begin to think about doing something like that. She said, it's that wicked Haman right there. Uh Uh-oh. See, that little heart started to be quivering a little bit. And the king, the Bible said he rose up and he was probably shocked and he goes out into the palace gardens just trying to compose himself, trying to say, what do I got to do here? I don't want to make a rash decision. I got to have the best outcome here. I don't want to act in rashness. So he turns around and he goes back. And during that time, Haman knows he's in big trouble. And he's down, oh, Esther, Esther, please, I'm sorry, Esther, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the king walks in, and all he can see is, is Haman pawing at his, at his wife. He said, what's he going to do? Is he going to try to take her right here? And the nobleman came out, and they took his, his the, the rag and put it around his head. And they said, behold, the gallows that Haman has built for Mordecai. 
And the king says, take him and hang him on his own gallows. Now, friends, we've talked about the king and the queen and the seven chamberlains and Mordecai, the little man, and Haman, who is the type of the devil. The whole Bible, the whole message is laid out right in this little book. Denominations don't know why it's there. The Jews don't know why it's there. But there it is for everybody to see. So now the word goes out and the queen asks for dispensation. Says, please take this awful law and rescind it. He said, I can't do that. Whatever I have said must be done. But I got another plan. We'll just move up the date a little bit and we'll tell the Jews that they can arm themselves against anybody who would try to do them any harm. So they moved the date up and the Jews got themselves all ready. They got themselves armed. And just to make a long story short and not to belabor the service, the Jews did not harm one person who did not try to harm them. They had the spirit of love, would not lay a finger on anybody unless they tried to attack them. And they killed a whole bunch. They killed tens of thousands, about 75,000 that tried to attack them. But no women were killed. No children were killed. And they were, the, the king told them, you can take all the spoil you want. But they said, no, we would never do that. We're not going to take the spoil. We'll give it to the young ones. Because if we don't, it's just going to be just as good as killing them. Because they won't have any way to support themselves. And they'll starve to death. So they exemplified the spirit of Christ. Even when they had license, they could have gone there. And they could have done the damage. And they could have wiped them all out. So finally, when it's, when it's all over... Haman is hanged. Ten of his sons that were left, they led the rebellion to try to kill the Jews. All of them were killed. And the king says, well, I've already killed Haman. What else should I do? They said, take Haman's ten sons and hang them too. And let it be a lesson for anybody that would try to come against God's people. And they did. They hung him. And there was a great revival in the land. And many of the people of Persia became Jews because they had respect for Mordecai. And they saw how God had moved providentially in their midst when it looked horrible. It looked like tragedy was ready to strike God's people. Yeah, I was born, I never thought about it till I come to the message, but I was born in a city. It's called Providence. Rhode Island didn't mean anything to me until I came to the message, until I started receiving what Brother Branham had to say about the providence of God. And friends, right now, there is a plot out against God's people. Satan is doing everything he can to come against the bride of Jesus Christ. After the seals were opened, 200 million supernatural demons were unleashed upon the bride. These were extra demons. Demons that were not there before the seals were opened. So there is a plot out to stop you, to kill you, to destroy you. To stop you from ever getting a new birth experience. To stop you from coming to adoption. Stop you from coming to perfect love and rapturing faith. And when the bride is gone, when she's out of here and Satan is cast down into the earth, friends, he doesn't be cast down by choice. He's cast down. Now he has to have a place to go to. And the place is the false prophet who now becomes the beast. And the beast is angry. See, Haman, he thought that banquet was going to be a wonderful time. He had no idea it was going to be a necktie party. 
So his anger against one man wound up getting him hung. And Satan's anger against one group of people in the whole world that will not bow down to the world council of churches and the Trinity doctrine and the world insanity that's spreading all over this world. There is one people on the face of the whole earth that will not bow. You are the Mordecai of this generation, friends. God has sent the carcass in this generation, sent that chamberlain to this world to give you God's word, to robe you. And when it was all over, friends, they took the, the ring off of Haman's finger and they put it on to Mordecai's finger. And he ruled and he reigned throughout all of that kingdom. Hey, friends. I don't know what that does for you. Those of you who have been around for a while, I'm sure that uh, you feel pretty good right now. Maybe you feel like you're identified in that little book that's hidden from the rest of the world. Maybe it gives you a little bit of confidence. But if you're, if you're here and you haven't got that assurance, you haven't got that confidence that God has called and selected and protected and will collect you and eject you out of this world, I pray that somehow, some way, that God will speak to you soon that you may find your place in the kingdom of God. Let's stand to our feet, friends. Let's pray. Can we sing that song again? Jehovah Jireh, as the musicians would come. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Oh my God, the providence of God that has selected you out of this world, out of the billions of people on the face of the earth that he could have called. You know, there's a song that I love. The song says, it's not the first mile you'll be judged by. It's the last mile. Along the way. And friends, if you're here, it's never been later than it is tonight in God's economy, in God's clock. As Brother Tom was showing, two minutes to midnight. Brother Brandon said, we already used up two. I wonder how many seconds to midnight it is. A lot of people I meet have met through the years. They said, you know, if I could have it to do all over again, I wish... And they got all kind of wishes. There's going to be a lot of people in hell. They're going to say, I wish. I wish I had listened. I wish that one, that one call to repent, that one call to make things right with God. I wish I had listened. Friends, you don't want to be like the rich young ruler who had the opportunity to have an interview with Jesus Christ, the greatest privilege a person could ever have. Rich, young, ruler, good resume. But the greatest thing he had was the opportunity to speak to Jesus Christ. And he asked the right question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The right question. And he asked it to the only person that could give him the right answer. And Jesus looked at him, discerned him, saw that money was going to become the God of the rich young ruler. He says, go, sell everything that you have and come and be my disciple. The preaching of the gospel makes you mad, glad, or sad. And the Bible said the rich young ruler walked away very sad because he had great possessions and he couldn't give it up. Then we see he's ready for retirement. He's wealthy. Maybe he's a billionaire. He said, oh, I've got it made. Gotta retire. Take it easy. And the word came and said, thou fool, this day your soul is required of thee. You know how many tens of thousands of people heard that today? They woke up this morning not knowing they would never wake up another day. 
They went somewhere, friends. They went somewhere, and many of them went to hell. Many of them were in that dimension, that fifth dimension, waiting for the throne, wait, throne judgment to be transported to hell. And he's in hell, and he sees Abraham, sees Lazarus. He says, "Abraham, let Lazarus come down, put a drop." He says, "No, no, you had it made when you were on the earth. He had nothing. Now there's a great gulf fixed." He can't go to where you are to drop a little water on your tongue, and it's impossible for you ever to come here. Then he said, "Well, let him let him go to my brothers and warn them not to come to this wicked, awful, dreadful place that I'm in right now." No, they have Moses, the law, the prophets, and if one rose from the dead. Still, they would not believe. You know, we've had a double portion of that. We had Jesus rose from the dead physically. Now the Word has rose from the dead spiritually and supernaturally. So now that you are presented with that, the Word rose from the dead, rose from out of the dead denominational dogmas and creeds. All the religions of the world, and is here, risen in all of its glory. What will you say to that risen word? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this life that you have allowed us to live. Thank you for the brothers and sisters that you allow us to rub shoulders with. On a daily basis, on a weekly basis, Lord, thank you for those that you have placed in in leadership positions, Lord, for all the officers of the church, all the musicians, all the way down to the faithful ones that that clean. I saw this afternoon as while we're eating, Brother Alex was busy in the kitchen, still working, still cleaning. God bless Brother Alex. Bless all those who labor, Lord. A lot of times, like a lot of people didn't know that Mordecai was standing in the gap, and there's a lot of unsung heroes around the bride of Christ that nobody knows who they are, nobody knows what they do, nobody knows the hours they spend in their prayer closets on their knees, creating the atmosphere for this service. Lord, as I come to, to service. Brother Branham said, "We create an atmosphere. We are creators. Lord, I don't want to create a boring atmosphere in Your presence. I want to be alive. I want to be vibrant. I want to. I want You to know that I appreciate what You've done for me, Lord. I want to be ready and willing and able to do whatever You would have for us to do, Father. If you're here tonight, friends, and you would say." I want to be one of those. I, I want to be one that has been called out and protected in this day, the day of danger. I want to be one that has had a Mordecai stand up for me. I want to. I want to be one of those that is identified with Queen Esther. Oh God. If you're here tonight, friends, I'm going to just turn the service over to Brother Tom and and have him close the service as he will. But, friend, if you're here t- tonight, at this very late junction in time, in in the home stretch of the midnight hour, in America we had a Paul Revere ride and warn the people. Lord, the only Paul Reveres that are left in the world today is the Bride of Christ trying to warn the world: the devil is coming, the devil is coming, the devil is coming. The false prophet's already here. The image of the beast is already here. The beast will be here soon. Don't you be here during that tribulation period. If you're here today and said, "I want to, I want to be sure that I know 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 
that if God were to come tomorrow, I would be with him and with his bride. If that's your prayer for us, just lift up your hand and just ask God to just ask God to meet your need. Let's sing Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to ask Brother Tom to come. Father, you see the hands that were raised. Lord, a man can say. We can do things, Lord. We can dramatize. We can make fools out of ourselves, make spectacles out of ourselves, Lord. But only you can go into that inner sanctum of the holy of holy of a person's heart. I pray, Lord, that you have done that tonight for some young man, some young woman, some middle-aged man or woman, some senior person. Lord, it's been a long time on this road. One day the ride's going to be over. We're so thankful that you have called us to be in this great roundup. We ask these blessings, Lord, upon those that are considering this message tonight. In Jesus' precious name. Church.